0: Welcome to this week's episode of Why Not Both. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician, therapist, and tutor living in Los Angeles. I started this podcast to explore how our multiple passions inform our identity. We're often told that we're supposed to have one passion in life, and that we're supposed to define ourselves by this one passion. However, most of us actually have multiple interests and have worked at a lot of different jobs. And I was really curious how this actually changed people's ideas of their own identity in the world. I decided to interview people from many different fields to determine how their multiple passions inform their identity. You can learn more about all of the people that I have interviewed on my website, which is WNBpodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am here with Laura Studeris, who is a writer. Hello. Well, Welcome to Why Not Both. Thank you. So the first question that I ask everybody, and even though I kind of just intro you as what you are, I always ask people, uh, what do you do? And is there a better question that I could ask you?
1: Wow, right out of the gate. Um, I would definitely define myself as a writer because over the past decade or so, I have done reporting. I have done long-form journalism. I've done listicles. I've even written some fiction. And so it's kind of a very large umbrella term that I enjoy sitting under. And don't mind if you want to call me something else, though. <laughs> as long as I get to do my job, the title's kind of
0: irrelevant. That's awesome. What what else would I call you? Laura? <laughs> <laughs> well, great start. Great start.
1: <laughs> well, given the topic of this podcast, um... I've gotten a lot more comfortable in the last few years being called a photographer as well.
0: Hey, how did you get into photography?
1: I think the correct term would probably be that I was drug kicking and screaming into it. I (laughs) I studied photography in junior college and enjoyed playing around with my camera, but I never felt like it was my language of choice.
0: Mm, Gotcha.
1: And then I went to film school and studied the moving image. And didn't really feel like that was my medium of choice. And mm. even though people had told me ever since I was probably way too young to earn this term. Now, I'm going to back that up. They told me since I was young enough to earn this term.
0: Because mm. kids are awesome.
1: Um, that I was a writer. And I don't honestly didn't believe them until after I was done with college for a while. And once I started believing people, the doors started opening. And I started actually being able to say what it was I wanted
0: to say. That's so interesting, so why why were people calling you a writer before you owned the term writer?
1: I always loved my language classes. I always loved reading um even when I was a kid, if I went to a concert, I would come home and blog. I'm sure there's probably several people out there who remember live journal.
0: Aww. I was one of those
1: people. <laughs> um, and to me, the experience never really seemed complete until I could open up my journal and recount it for myself.
0: Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. That's really interesting. How does that dovetail with studying film, do you think?
1: You know, I've asked myself that a lot because it became very clear in probably my second year of film school. It was something I didn't want to pursue full time, despite getting some incredible opportunities out of it. Um and so I asked myself, like, what am I doing here? And it came down over and over to the fact I love storytelling.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Just had to find my story.
0: That's interesting, because then when you were talking about the fact that things weren't real to you until you wrote about them, I was like, oh, but now you also do photography with your writing. <laughs> yes. I was like, how does that feature in?
1: Um, well, the backstory?
0: Yeah, like, how did you end up doing photography with writing? Because it's funny, because I'm like, okay, films have moving images yeah, with yeah. words. Got that down. And now you've got the words and the images, but they haven't come together in the film way, but in a totally different way.
1: I see where you're going, and I don't think I've ever really made that connection till this moment.
0: Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs>
1: um, about eight years ago, I want to say, I got an opportunity to go to Poland to go to a music festival and loving travel and never having been to Poland and loving music, I wanted to do it. But in order to do it, I had to also take my own photos.
0: Oh, gotcha. And I
1: didn't really look at acquiring the skill of taking photos as a skill in its own right, but as my ticket to do cool things. <laughs> and I mean, if I'm if I'm being completely honest with myself, I hadn't put in my 10,000 hours yet, so my concert photography looked like beginner's concert photography. Gotcha. But the experience was so formulative for me because I was in another country, I was doing multiple jobs, and I wasn't completely sucking at it.
0: Yay! That <laughs>
1: I started to think of photography as this B-skill that I could trot out in order to do more
0: writing. That's so fascinating because you had started actually studying the B-skill. That
1: is incredibly true, and it's so weird that I did not make these connections before.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, and something that some of the other guests have spoken of, is that we sometimes get the message that there is only one thing that you should be good at, and if you do another thing, it somehow cheapens the first thing that you do.
1: Oh, absolutely. I got that message from everyone. Um, Shortly after I got back from the first festival, and feeling very high on the whole experience, I saw a tweet from an editor that I respected, and I still do very much respect him that said, I don't trust a writer who also sells themselves as a photographer. And for me, seeing that, especially fresh off my first experience, there was this moment of like, okay, I'm just going to downplay this. So I'd have to say for a good five years when someone would ask, I'd be like, oh, I'm just a writer who owns a camera.
0: Which is hilarious because, and I mean, listeners don't know this, but like I always, when I went to concerts with you, you're like, oh yeah, I'll be back because you were in the photo pit. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, like, not calling yourself a photographer despite having a photo pass to take (laughs) professional photos of the shows.
1: (laughs) You know, I I don't necessarily believe in regrets, but I do regret that time period when I wasn't prepared yet to own photography because ultimately because I wasn't owning the title, I wasn't advancing my skills. Mm. Because if you're a writer with a camera... And you don't know how to do something, you can say, oh, it's because I'm not a photographer.
0: Oh, so that way, instead of being like, oh, I'm pushing myself further and learning more, you could just kind of be like,
1: ah. Exactly. And so for a long time, I felt like my photos definitely stagnated. Got it. Got it. Um, the second I started owning that term and started getting curious, and I actually started, funny enough, enjoying being a photographer. Right.
0: And things changed dramatically. I was gonna say, how do you define yourself now that you do writing and photography?
1: Um, I still tend to push writing forward first because, as the way I tell people, it's my native language.
0: Got it. However,
1: I love photography. I love the challenge of trying to translate the beauty of whatever I'm in into a photograph. And if I can pair that with words, great. If it's something that lives on my Flickr or Instagram, great. Awesome. I, I feel very privileged because photography has never gotten to the point where it needs to be a, a skill. Right. It can be something that I can enjoy and can enhance being a writer.
0: That's what I was wondering because also you transitioned within the writing world as well. Like when I met you, so that everyone knows, I met Laura because uh, on her very first blog <laughs> Confessions of a Would-Be Hipster <laughs> Yes! She blogged about a demo that i released like forever and a day ago <laughs> so we became friends on the internet
1: and now we're friends in real
0: life Hearts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah i've done a fair amount of transitioning within the writing world um after i left film school and felt very disillusioned with anything creative i literally fell pretty much face first thanks to this blog into music writing and I did that full-time for about five years, and I loved it. In fact, I still do love music writing. I should make that clear. Like, it has given me so much. I've met so many creative people, such as yourself. Hi. And it really has shaped the trajectory of my life, but in all practicality, the bottom in many ways has fallen out of it financially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is sad. I don't begrudge anyone who can still make a full-time living in it, but I also discovered A lot through photography and a lot through my first trip to Poland that I do really love traveling. Yes. So in the last few years, I have heavily transitioned into travel and lifestyle writing, which is also something you're not supposed to really be able to do full time, but somehow it's worked. And I'm incredibly thankful for that. And in no small part, it has been because I can be self-sufficient with two different tasks.
0: Right. I was going to say because you travel more than anyone I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm traveling my mind right now exactly your brand you're just warging into who knows what don't warg into crows at least tell people about the battle spoilers for Game of Thrones but anyway (laughs) it's interesting that you transitioned to travel when you started doing photography because that's true because otherwise you'd have to travel with someone if you're going to be doing travel writing and you're going to have to have like photos of where you're going it really opens it up if you're like, well, I can take the photos and write about it.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm always thankful when I can travel with a photographer, mainly because then I get to play with my camera without worrying, have I gotten it? Mm, gotcha. And I find that those moments of play, especially all around the world, have also improved my skills. That's cool. But knowing that you can be a one woman or one man or person show is really, really freeing. And something that I'd don't think I really accounted for when I first started this.
0: Gotcha. I was going to say, because that also goes along with a question that I'd ask other people, is um, what do you feel time and effort mean to you in regards to the two things that you do? Like, do you feel like one is more valid than the other because you put more time into it? Because you said the thing about, like, the 10,000 mm-hmm. hours. And I was like, oh, so is one of them more like your native language because of the time you've put in or the effort you've put in? Will they at one day be equal? Will one eclipse the other?
1: That is a really interesting question. I feel like just from my history growing up, words have always been part of me in a way that images took longer to really integrate.
0: Mm. Um,
1: Although I'm over the point where I'd want to say that my photography is less valid than my writing. Gotcha. Because I have worked hard. I have developed my eye. I'm still working hard, still developing my eye. Um, But... If, if I have to, like, decide on a time basis what I'm going to market myself as, mm-hmm. it's going to be a writer.
0: Okay, gotcha.
1: It's rare. I can probably count on one hand the number of times I've been hired as a pure photographer for something.
0: Got it. Got it. Well, and also that makes sense because it sounds like pretty recently is when you're like, yes, I'm a photographer. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And also seems like, like, what kind of photography would you say you specialize in?
1: Um, it started concert photography and that is still an absolute passion for me because if you can catch someone doing what they're passionate about, yeah. you can get some beautiful images. Um, it's tra- it's transitioned more into travel photography.
0: I was gonna yeah. say that, that whole always traveling thing and also like concert photography, I'm so glad that you do because it can really trend either way where either someone looks magnificent or I would say some of the worst photos of me ever. <laughs> Have been taken mid performance because between like the lighting and the fact that you're like a moving target, Mm -hmm. if you can get a good concert photo, it's like actually magical.
1: And I do feel like looking back at that, that was an incredible training ground. And I wish I'd just been more cognizant of that at the time because between all the elements and then just editing. Yes. And learning how to pick out someone where a musician such as yourself has both eyes open and looks relatively pretty.
0: Yeah, because your options are usually either like. Passionate, beautiful spirit or gremlin.
1: <laughs> As someone who has practiced and probably will practice with taking more um, portraits of myself, yeah. I have seen the dark side of the gremlin. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I don't really feel on that same note, I don't really feel like I need to add model to my list of careers. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there are certain angles where you're singing where you're like, wow, I did not know my face could do that. That's a a thing. I'm glad me and my people are here to enlighten you. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So on the train of, like, kind of time and effort, I was curious, like, how does money factor into this for you? Because that is important as an artist to be able to sustain yourself.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, my whole um, journey into becoming a full-time writer and now a writer slash photographer... Money has been a concern. Um, I will say, in the in full transparency, I have taken on side jobs when I need to, and in a way, that is very it's very comforting to know that I can do that because it's a different skill set and mm-hmm. it's another source of revenue. Yeah. Um, I will say one thing: I'm looking forward to more this year is figuring out how I can reinvest. Mm. For a long time, um, I told myself I wasn't a photographer because I had an entry level camera oh and I mean that turned out to be a blessing in the way because my camera had such limitations I had to become a better photographer to overcome
0: it that makes sense
1: but now that I feel like I've developed those skills I'm looking into like reinvesting in a better camera
0: right right and do you feel like because you had said about like music writing that kind of the bottom has fallen out of the industry which is really sad Mm -hmm. um and in regards to then travel writing, do you feel that you went into it because also it is more lucrative or um it would definitely
1: be a misnomer to call the industry lucrative. I have stumbled into fairly well paying jobs, but there are also plenty out there with numbers that would make you blush. Gotcha. In the opposite direction. Gotcha. Um, for me, it was more just how can I make my career fund a lifestyle that I'm curious in?
0: Mm, gotcha. That makes sense.
1: And the fact it can fund travel, which I would want to pay for, but it doesn't necessarily have to be paid for now, is an incredible bonus and one that I don't take lightly.
0: So for people who aren't travel writers, like I know you just went on like a trip to Japan. How, how do you do that?
1: <laughs> I, I suspect a fair number of your listeners Probably aren't travel writers So right. that is a legitimate question Um, Honestly I've come to the point where I realize That rapid fire traveling While super fun And allows you to see a lot Is also incredibly tiring oh. So with Japan when I arranged to go And check out the country
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I ended up staying in A, in a guest house oh, Which was very cheap Oh got it Minimizing better. my expenses. Um, a lot of travel writing is either done on your own dime or in corporation with um, an entity. Oh. And so, in order to make money, we don't always get to live the five star life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, honestly, I don't mind because I feel like staying in a townhouse in a suburb of Shibuya in, sorry, a suburb in Shinjuku in Tokyo was. A more eye-opening experience than
0: staying at a five-star hotel. I was gonna say then you actually get a scope of where you're staying.
1: Absolutely and I know when you traveled with me you got to see how much I hustle.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah I, I went to Iceland Airways with Laura and it was amazing and I can't wait to go back to Reykjavik but there were definitely times when I was like I am going to chill in this lobby and drink a cup of tea and Laura's like cool bye covering seven things like I got I got kidnapped in the boot of a car went to a secret show ended up in a whale museum (laughs) Like, yeah riding with me is an adventure it was Um, a wild ride
1: (laughs) the best way I can describe travel riding to people is the highs are incredibly high and you feel incredibly privileged to be doing these things which you would normally not get to do. Right. And the lows are exhausting and crushing. Yep. However, there are more highs than lows. Yes. Which is what keeps me in this crazy industry.
0: <laughs> so would you say that currently you define yourself as a travel writer and also photographer? Would that be?
1: That's a tough one. I mean, I know on my LinkedIn profile it does say travel writer. Mm-hmm. However, when someone asks, or if I hand them a business card, it says writer on it. Mm. Because I am still doing por- um, profiles in the music world. I'm doing lifestyle pieces. I'm doing listicles. Right. So, ah I'm She's
0: going to yodel at you. It's fine.
1: I didn't realize there was going to be a yodeling portion.
0: Right. I would this, this is the yodeling section yeah. of the podcast. Uh, you were talking about how grateful you were for some of the things that you've gotten to experience. What would you say are your favorite things that have come from travel writing?
1: Um, Well, like everyone, I, I have a bucket list. Mm-hmm. And in the last few years in particular, I've checked so many things off my bucket list. My mother's told me I need to start adding more because I'm not ready to die yet. You
0: need another bucket? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, I have seen the Northern Lights in Iceland. Yay! I have been to the Lantern Festival in Taiwan. Yay! I have seen the Sakura Cherry Blossoms in Tokyo.
0: Yay!
1: I have spent a significant amount of time in Eastern Europe. Awesome. I have jumped naked into an ice-covered lake in Helsinki. That's a bold move. Yeah, yeah. The women told me that the sounds I made were
0: very interesting. (laughs) That sounds very tactful.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's little moments like this that may or may not add up to entire career that I'm incredibly thankful that I just get to experience on a personal level. And I hope some of that comes across when I write about these things.
0: What do you feel is most validating about writing about these things for other people?
1: I grew up with a lot of fear. Mm. Something that I only... Recognize now as an adult, and continue to work through. Mm-hmm. I know as a teenager, I was that teenager who didn't want to leave the house.
0: Oh. Not necessarily because
1: I was agoraphobic, but why would I leave this comfortable environment? Oh. Um, travel to me as a kid was something as foreign as, like, going to the moon. Got it. And I feel like when that started opening up for me, specifically when I started studying abroad in my early 20s in Paris... I realized that I wasn't as like all that fear was in my head.
0: Oh, so once you kind of like overcame the fear, you realized you actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I don't
1: necessarily think it's a necessity to have a travel career or to even travel extensively. But if I can encourage someone, even through a simple recounting of, going on a Hello Kitty flight to Taiwan, that maybe the world's a little bigger than they think. Mm -hmm. Maybe there is something out there they would like to see. Right. Or even if they don't want to see it, if they just want to research it,
0: they just want to see a little bit of it, because it sounds like then helping people maybe get past some of the fears that you had.
1: Oh, absolutely. I look back at some of these travel experiences, and I wouldn't be. It's added a level of boldness to my personality, which even people who've known me as a child say is really unusual (laughs) and something I didn't recognize until it was pointed out to me.
0: That's really fascinating. So for you, it sounds like it's internally validating to go on these, and then it's like, oh, and other people can read this, and then maybe they will get over some of their fears about it, or they can expand their world.
1: Exactly. Even if you never leave your state, if it comes down to, like, I'm going to go research Japan, or go try sushi, maybe you're going to hate sushi, but that's an experience, right? But you
0: tried it. Yeah. Do you feel like... Which do you feel has been more internally validating, like writing about music or writing about travel?
1: That is extremely tough question that I don't know if I have a perfect answer for. It's okay if it's not perfect. <laughs> I have, there's been musicians I've interviewed who have changed my perspective on the creative process in ways that I didn't anticipate. Mm-hmm. And there have been musicians I've spoken with who have trusted me with very delicate stories mm. and the honor of having someone tell you something difficult knowing it's going to go into print and that it's your job to interpret right is intimidating
0: <laughs> yeah
1: um where travel feels a bit more like a big picture thing
0: oh gotcha um, gotcha
1: so honestly i would say it's a moment by moment thing like everything
0: else in life right how about between writing and photography like what for you is the most like validating part of photography
1: Ooh, that is a really good question.
0: Thanks, I try.
1: Um, it's funny because I, I look back at my time in Paris and I have maybe three photos of myself there and three photos of Paris. Um, photography was just so not on my radar. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy to pull out my journals and read you page after page. But... <laughs> um, I think there is a level of being your own personal historian that I enjoy. Gotcha. I've been paging back my photos of cherry blossoms on almost a daily basis. Aww. And feeling that moment of like walking up and seeing them and just being surrounded by pink. Um, so I guess right now photography is still a bit selfish in that regard.
0: I was going to say it sounds like writing is almost more outward facing and a way to connect with people and then photography sounds like it's almost a way to connect with yourself right now.
1: Wow. That was incredibly well spoken.
0: <laughs> Thanks.
1: Yeah, I feel like even though it's been a few years since I've started to take the take being a photographer seriously, I'm still exploring like what it means to me, right, and how I can use it, and that's something that's not going to end.
0: Right. I was gonna say because thinking about like one's own self definition, um, do you find that either of them? One thing that came up in another interview was, do you feel like either of these are tied to other people's perceptions of you, or your own perception of you?
1: Isn't everything in the world tied to someone else's perception? I mean, we spin. Right. <laughs> we especially, and I mean, I hate to gender this, but women do get a brunt of that.
0: I was gonna say, like, it's okay to gender it. We're fine. <laughs> but, like, um, but yeah, it's like when you're told you are something. Sort of like you you spoke about that that editor that I'm sure they meant no harm by what they oh, said. No, absolutely. Um, but then that felt almost like it sounds like it felt like a judgment. Oh. That it's like, you're this thing, so you can't be that thing.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, I think maybe what appeals to me about both of these creative processes is breaking away from what I expect of myself and what mm. other people expect of myself. I mean, at the end of the day, if I interview someone and turn in copy, the expectations are that I turn in an article that goes from A to B right? with clean copy. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Everything else is so up for interpretation... I one thing I do enjoy is reading um, interviews that someone else has done around the same time period with someone.
0: Oh.
1: Because you'll find there's so many different ways to tell a story. Right. And sometimes I have to remind myself of that when I'm getting getting down on myself for my personal story.
0: Oh, that's interesting that then you relate it back to how you narrate things to yourself.
1: Oh, absolutely. And gotcha. everyone is narrating a different version of my story. Right. Well, probably not simultaneously because I'm not that important <laughs> <laughs> like i love you but i'm sure you're not sitting in your apartment at night thinking about
0: my personal marriage. yeah i'm <laughs> not just like what's going on with laura? well sometimes i do when i'm about to message laura i'm telling everyone this i i'll be like wait what time zone is she in is she in an airport what country is she in should i just message her maybe her phone will be on silent if she's asleep <laughs> I should give you my
1: mother's (laughs) number and you two can form a support group.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm always just like, will I be disturbing her slash where is she on the planet? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, thank you for being flexible when I message you at what might be a completely odd hour.
1: The funnest part is answering you when it's a completely odd hour.
0: That does result in some pretty interesting conversation, not gonna lie. (laughs) What would you say are some of the downsides of the things that you've done? Like, you've experienced some amazing things, but, like, are there any caveats of, like, you had said there are some low lows, and I'm like, for people who aren't travel writers slash photographers,
1: what can happen? Again, I can only assume this is an entire audience of travel writers slash photographers, right? (laughs) Right. Um, I think, for me, the most difficult thing, and it's something that I'm constantly reevaluating, is my relationship with Los Angeles. Oh, Coming back in and out, sometimes it can be very hard to contact friends.
0: Oh, gotcha. Um,
1: the ones who have stuck with me are people who make it an effort to reach out to me and ask, "When will you be back?"
0: Oh, I see. That makes
1: sense. Um, it's funny because a lot of people have pointed to loneliness in travel writers, which mm-hmm. I will cop is a thing occasionally. Mm-hmm. I have discovered that I've made so many friends around the world at this point that it's rare that I'm in a location where I don't even have an.
0: Oh, I was going to say, because that definitely like what you spoke to of like coming back to L.A. where you're from. It sounds almost like everyone else is kind of on like their trajectory and you're on such a different trajectory that then it's kind of like you're hopping back into their stream, but they don't know when to check in on you so that you can interact with them. Oh,
1: absolutely. And like, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't hard. Yeah. And something that I did have to learn to not take personally. Yeah. um, And also like. It's contrasted with the joy of hopping into people's streams around the world, which when you're only somewhere for a week, someone is obviously going to make more time to have dinner with you.
0: Right. You're going to get, it's almost like being in a long distance relationship with a bunch of people that you're like, oh, I get all the fun bits. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) I won't lie. Um,
1: So learning to engage with people on like a deeper level when you may only see them a couple times a year. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's probably the hardest bit.
0: Is that harder than sleeping on airport floors?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, Copenhagen Airport, you and I need to have some serious words. <laughs> <That> was... <laughs> Tallinn Airport, I'm coming for you next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amsterdam Airport, you're shockingly all right. Thanks for the nice night. <laughs>
0: there you go. I was just like, more cots in airports twenty nineteen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's gonna be my third career. We think we found it.
0: There we go. There we go. That's gonna be your startup is making pop-up bedrooms and airports.
1: Perfect. You heard it here first.
0: <laughs> Very practical. So if someone were to actually start on either one of these journeys, what might you recommend to them? Start small.
1: Okay. Um you're not gonna end up jetting around the world the day after you start. Um the fact I'm chatting around the world still baffles me. Um, look for things in your own community that you really love and that you want to highlight to an outside audience. Ah. I started this whole writing process basically on a lark with Confessions of a Would-Be-Hipster because I thought right. it would be a fun way to get concert tickets and CDs. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, my goals for that first publication did not extend an inch past those two things. Right. Um, it didn't even occur to me that I could make money off it.
0: Well and also it seems like the music, like because you started writing about something that you're passionate about, that dovetailed into then you started covering music festivals. Yeah. and that was that kind of how you got more into the travel or that really
1: was. Um, yeah. that first trip to Poland really opened my eyes. I had traveled a bit before, but going somewhere that I had no preconceived notions about right and meeting people that I would have never met otherwise kind of made me start play What If in a really positive way.
0: Yeah, because it sounds like starting with something you were passionate with and letting that expand outward. And I like what you said of, like, start small, because if you start being like, okay, I'm gonna write a blog, and then I'm going to space. <laughs> <laughs> Look, <laughs> Elon Musk,
1: buddy, if you want to take me to space, we can totally talk about that. I am open.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, take a nap first, and then we'll go to space. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I think, and One thing that I reminded myself throughout all of this, and I have to admit I did lose perspective several times, was back in my pure music writing days, I would tell myself I'm a writer who likes music, which Mm -hmm. is more positive than saying I'm a writer with a camera. Got it. Because it kind of focused on what I loved about my job. Oh, got it. And the fact I was also writing about something that I loved, but my job came first.
0: That's an interesting way to put it, like... That you were writing about something you love, but your job came first. How do you find that helped you?
1: It focused me on the skill set that I wanted to focus on and improve. Wow, why did I not call myself a photographer earlier?
0: Yeah, um, that was going to be my next question. (laughs) I was like, that's so interesting that you said that about the writing field. Because I'm like, it sounds like I'm talking about the photography, but you're talking about the writing. Yeah, you know, this
1: is a really good therapy session. (laughs) You know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it focused me on what I really wanted to do was sit and make words. Gotcha. And the fact I was making words about something I was passionate about was a bonus. Cool. And also, I mean, I'm not really sure how to phrase this, but in any creative industry, you will find clicks. Yeah. You will find, like, little little niches and rivalries and... What not. i not saying it's a pure music writer thing. I'm saying it's a creative thing, period.
0: Is that what you meant by kind of like it's more like high school or?
1: No, I was thinking more of the multitasking for that. But oh,
0: gotcha. gotcha.
1: By not defining myself purely as a music writer, it kind of allowed me to pay less attention to any sort of politics around it. Mm. And then because of that, when it came time to tra- transfer a little more into travel and lifestyle and culture... I feel like mentally it was easier to do it.
0: I see. That makes sense. Because it sounds like you weren't necessarily attached to your identity within that group. Exactly. So you're able to be like, okay, I'm going to do this other thing and not have it be like crazy or shattering. Yeah. Got it. How about people who are getting into photography? Because it sounds like you skirted around photography for a really long time and then finally were like, I'm the photographer. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think part of my skirting, and it's something I've really been digging into mentally recently, was mm-hmm. because I was afraid to put any sort of pressure and meaning on it. Oh, interesting. Because either it was go- that pressure and meaning was going to prove that I wasn't good enough, or it was going to break the little bit of love I had for it.
0: Oh, got it.
1: And so in order to get myself to stop dodging it, it was really simple. I turned it into a game. I started carrying my camera with me everywhere. And then if I felt inspired, I would take it out and shoot, or it would just be a very heavy thing I would carry all day.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, I would much rather use the heavy thing I was carrying all day than be like, I've been carrying around this heavy thing all day.
1: And honestly, in the beginning, there were some days where it was just increasing my hip pain. (laughs) I got it. (laughs) But I found the more often I did that simple exercise and took all the pressure off, am I going to make something? Am I not going to make something? I felt more inspired to take it out.
0: Got it. And it sounds almost like, because that almost has like the common thread from before where you were talking about you had this fear of traveling and you had this fear of kind of getting out there. But then when you made yourself do it, and it sounds like you kind of did the same thing with photography where you were just like, well, only way through this one. (laughs) Only way out is through. There we go. I can words. It's fine. (laughs) That's an incredibly valid point. uh, (laughs) So I appreciate that you were like, ah, I see I have this roadblock, I am going to go through it like a really chill Kool-Aid band. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, the rails! I don't even know where they are on this. Um, (laughs) This metaphor it has gone so many places.
1: Yeah, the second I I decided there was no pressure on it, the Mm -hmm. second it grew.
0: That's so cool. And
1: because I was lugging around this heavy camera and eventually taking shots I was proud of, um, my body of work grew and my understanding of what I liked in a photograph instantly started growing. It was right. like a photo school for one.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So I guess in, in closing, what advice would you have given to your younger self? If you had met your younger self and you'd been like, hey, younger Laura.
1: <laughs> I would probably tell myself to question where my assumptions are coming
0: from. Oh, that's a really good one.
1: And it's something that I'm still trying to do whenever I get hung up on this whole topic. Mm. And usually what I'm finding is that my assumptions are coming from external sources, specifically telling me that I can't have two passions and pursue them equally. And the second I realized it was coming more from an external source, the secondly, I realized that those voices don't matter as much as I think they do. And it freed me up for concentrating on how to push my passions forward. Got it. So younger Laura, take a deep breath. (laughs) Consider why you love what you love. And then go do it. You're never going to improve unless you do it.
0: Go do the thing. That is very true. I think that there's a certain threshold that you have to get over. Because when you start doing anything, even if you have a natural talent for it, you're not going to be that great at it the first few times around. And I think being compassionate to yourself and being like, I'm getting better each time I do it, but I have to keep doing it instead of being like, well, I did that once and it wasn't perfect, so I guess I'll stop. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. Know that life. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I also really like what you said about challenging your assumptions because you can definitely know that you've internalized certain things, but I think when you begin to with a, kind of with an eye for like non-judgment, just look at like, well, where did that come from? Is it useful to me? And if it's not useful to you, you can be like, I can, you know, I can wave goodbye to that one. That one can just kind of yeah, taper off. Yeah. And it's it's a lifelong
1: process. I am talking to a younger Laura, but I'm also talking to myself now. Right? right. Like, as much as we evolve and change, there are some things we're going to continue throwing off
0: over yes. and over
1: again. Yes. And the second I stop kicking myself for having to go through this, you know, multiple times it got a lot easier and the process got a lot faster.
0: I was going to say, even though, like, it's a continual body of work, like, throughout our lives, like, each time you do it, you're like, ah, yes, it's this. I know this. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Check your feelings. Yep, check in with your feelings. Aw. Well, I think that that is pretty solid advice. Thank you. You're welcome. And, yeah, do you have any questions for me about why not both? Which passion will you be picking up next? (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Well, I did just pick up podcasting, so, you know, who knows. I look forward to jumping in on your next adventure. Exactly. Well, and I look forward to uh, inviting myself to your next adventure to Iceland. (laughs)
1: Let's do it. You're a great adventure partner.
0: Yay! Well, thank you so much for
1: joining me. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Why Not Both. You can head over to our website, which is WNBpodcast.com, where you can learn more about Laura Studeris and the rest of our guests. Please make sure to like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform so that you can hear all of the upcoming episodes, and please feel free to share us with your friends. I'm really excited to be interviewing so many interesting people, and I look forward to putting out even more episodes for you. Thanks again.